0: My name is Wheeler Utah. you can find me on Twitter at Wheeler Utah. find me on Instagram at Wheeler Utah. watch me on Major League Wrestling, Fridays at 8pm on BN Sports, watch me on Dojo Pro, and ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Irish Whip Podcast.
1: You're the only pro wrestler I know that wants to do the shit in the morning. Yeti, you're a f***ing moron. Put it this way, I think Sammy Callahan might as well just change his name to Invader 1. I want to know why, like, he can dodge any question, like, I'll tell anyone that, you can tell me the f- but I, I'm going to ask specific questions.
2: Promotional
0: consideration paid for by the following:
1: wrestlingnews.com. All oh, the rest of yeah,
2: Yahoo's director right, dilly, 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 dilly dilly little wankers. Or we're actually receiving real, real wrestling news. This is Brett screwed Brett.
1: Who are you to, to to
2: doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Brett screwed Brett. Hold to our bar.
1: Hey, get a nice shot of the brand-new Mr. and Mrs. Hunter Hurst Helmsley.
2: I hate you. I hate you. I hate your hat. I hate your T-shirts. I hate your wristbands. I hate your shoes. I hate your music. I hate the C-Nation. I hate everything that you stand for. So does Roo. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah.
1: What's up, everybody? J.P. here. I'm here with Josh this week, and we have Wheeler Uda, CZW Beyond Wrestling. Uh, he's been all over. Um, Wheeler, how are you today?
0: Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to being on the show.
1: Oh, we're going to have some fun. Josh, what's going on?
2: Nothing, man. It's, just, it's great here to be here with you. Um, I'm glad we can clarify how to pronounce your name, correct? It is right. Wheeler <laughs> Uda. Not Utah, but Wheeler Utah, correct? Crushed it. Just like that. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> so, what do you yep. got? I mean, you, you've, got, you've got. Let's talk about some big things that you've got coming up specifically um, this week um, and how individuals, when they're listening to this, are like, who is Wheeler Utah? How do they get a hold of you? One on social media, and what do you got coming up that they can check out when they listen to this podcast?
0: Yeah, if you're looking for my uh, social media, um, I'm on Twitter at Wheeler Utah. Same thing for Instagram. Um, if you're a Facebook person, uh, Facebook.com/slash Utah Wrestling. Um, that's where you can find all my stuff. Um, this week. I have a couple events. Um, On Friday, I'll actually be making my debut for AIW Wrestling in Cleveland. Uh, Very excited for that. It's a promotion that I've followed for quite a while. Uh, Saturday, I'll be back at Nova Pro wrestling Logan Easton LaRoe, he won the 2017 Commonwealth Cup which is their annual tournament and I won this year's Commonwealth Cup so that should be a fun match of sorts uh, we actually wrestled once before so it'll be a rematch and then on Sunday I have Beyond Wrestling's biggest show ever I've been told um, where I'm going to challenge for the Powerbomb.tv independent championship against Hot Sauce Tracy Williams who is also a tag partner of mine as well as a mentor so I'm very excited to that match in particular
1: the American Rana is beyond biggest show every year so I, I every year should be the biggest at American Rana that's their wrestling yeah, it's, year, if you will so
0: it definitely is and it's been growing and growing and uh, Drew uh, Drew Cordero the promoter has been sharing some of the ticket sales with the roster and it looks that this will be the most attended uh, beyond wrestling event ever so it's already completely sold out, and I'm very excited. That one does stream live on Powerbomb.tv uh, if you have a subscription to that. But yeah, I'm very excited I'm sure. for this whole weekend, but especially Sunday.
1: And where is that? That's out in Montana, right? Shut your mouth.
0: Uh, that's, uh,
1: <laughs> well, in, this uh, is Worcester, a double dig. Don't worry, Josh. This is a double dig. Where was where that
0: one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's in uh, the White Eagle Club in Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, beyond. Beyond the uh, their home's New England, so it's always in uh, Massachusetts or Rhode Island. But this yeah. one is this one's in Worcester.
1: For the record, I knew that was in Worcester, but re- Josh is in Montana and they have no wrestling. I'm up in Boston. Oh, so oh man, I'm actually in the Worcester <laughs> area. I have wrestling. It's okay. it's defy, and I got to travel
2: to Seattle. But that's, that's yeah, a good ten-hour trip drive. Trip is that? That's a good ten-hour drive. Yeah, you know what we do now. Yeah, no, exactly.
0: You guys have yeah, 10 yeah. hours to go places.
2: <laughs> you guys will drive 10 hours, wrestle, drive 10 hours back home, go to your regular job, wrestle maybe an hour away, and then do it again weekend after weekend after weekend.
0: Yep, all the time. All the
2: time. <laughs> well, how, you, you, you uh, I mean, you didn't grow up watching professional wrestling. You just, it just kind of happened, right? <laughs> No,
0: I definitely grew up watching uh, professional wrestling. When I, was, when I was younger, my at first I actually wasn't allowed to watch it, so that was fun for a couple of years. But uh, eventually my parents gave in, and some of my inspirations when I was younger uh, were Rey Mysterio was one of my, my biggest people who caught my eye when I was watching like 2003, 2004 SmackDowns. Um, and then it kind of grew from there And then I found the internet And found Japanese wrestling And Lucha Libre And all these different styles So I was I definitely had a plan That I Wanted to watch as much wrestling as possible But it, it took me a while Before I thought that I could actually do it And that's kind of when Everything sort of stuck into my lap um, My friends told me that they were training to be wrestlers And I was like I- I'm all in So That's That's kind of how that came about But yeah I was Always a fan as a young kid. Um, I think that we all were fans to a degree. Some people kind of fell out of it um, and then came back to it, but I, I never did. I always stayed watching as much wrestling as I could.
2: The hardest part for, for people like JP and I, because we're old men, man, is is uh, nobody talked about it. If you watch pro wrestling, you didn't tell anybody. You just watched it in your closet and didn't tell anybody. You tried to, <laughs> right? I mean, you still loved it. Right. You, you know, you were... The nerds, the geeks, the, the jocks, I mean, it was all split up, but now it's it's a cool thing to watch pro wrestling. It's a cool thing. There's so many people, and there's so yeah. much. Yep. It's, it's so available right now, and it just, there's so many ways for people to advance their careers and be independently wealthy in what they do, and that's, I mean, your cyberpunk influences and in your mask and what you're doing, it's, it's a cool thing, man. Yeah,
0: it's it's a super exciting time not just to be like a fan but to be a wrestler. Uh because like you said there's always sort of been a weird stigma to pro wrestling. I'm I'm not really sure why, but I remember when I was like in first grade, um my friend like he did the thing like, "Hey, come over here, look at this, look at what I got." And he had like a wrestling magazine that he was hiding in his backpack. And I remember he gave it to me to read, and I was just reading it in the bathroom. Like, I wasn't using the bathroom. I was just standing in the bathroom reading it because I didn't want anyone to see. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think that people have that experience anymore. Wrestling is everywhere. It's, it's on your TV. It's on your computer. There's so many ways to find it. And that, in turn, for the wrestlers, has made it so much easier because it's not just a select few guys in the WWE anymore. Um, there's WWE, there's Independence, there's Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor, uh, MLW is starting to rise as a national television company. And I'm lucky enough to be a part of that. There's so many places uh, for guys to get work and for uh, wrestling to be celebrated and not hidden in the closet, as you,
2: as you so put it. Yeah, I mean that the, the biggest thing for me is to be able to watch talent like yourself at dude at twenty. You're 21, right? hmm 21 years old. Um, at 21 years old, I didn't think. I think I just barely figured out what the hell I wanted to be at that age.
0: Right, and I yeah, it's it's definitely been a wild ride. Wrestling's been uh, really good to me in a short amount of time. Like, um, I know that we had kind of briefly talked about before we started rolling Dojo Pro, and I was able to. Kind of show my parents And show my family members This week Like hey This is this cool thing That I did And it's streaming On Amazon Prime And it's Like It's on a Mainstream streaming service It's not Just something that Wrestling fans only Are kind of In tune to And also uh, For Major League Wrestling On VN Sports I was able to change The channel And be like Hey mom Look that's me And it's been really cool So far To uh, kind of Experience this This boom again It's it's sort of a renaissance of wrestling after a really a long down period where there was no, no light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of guys. But now the, the scene is thriving. Uh, luckily, I'm thriving now and just really enjoying what I'm doing. Well, mom and, dad,
2: mom and Dad, if you're listening, he's really good at what he does.
0: Oh, my dad will laugh. Uh, my mom will hate it because she constantly worried for my for my
1: health and safety the difference on the boom now compared to the boom in the 90s too is that the boom now is more focused on the indies than it is on say wwe or impact you see everybody online kind of armchair booking those two companies and complaining about them where on the indies the top guys the codies the the young bucks with few exceptions they can do no wrong so it's kind of cool to be on it's gonna be kind of cool to be on that level and be working with that type of those type of guys too now you know what i mean
0: oh absolutely it's to me it's incredible that
1: you know i can be
0: on a show with a guy like like that on that level with like a, a marty scroller hangman page and then I can go into a, a store at the mall, I can go to Hot Topic, and I can yeah. find their shirts. That That's unheard of. That's right. absolutely insane. So it's crazy to, to think about that. I think that uh, Daniel Bryan, actually, in an interview, he did said it best. There's There may not be as many mainstream fans the way that there was in like the 90s boom, beca- just because of the way distribution works now, but there's more deep fans that are really far into the wrestling subculture and that's really I think what's helping the indies thrive and it's it's really great there's people that are willing to to come to these shows come to see independent wrestling on the most the most basic level not necessarily in terms of the wrestling but in terms of the production in terms of how how the business is handled but it's on It's on a level that connects specifically to them, and I think that that's what people want now. They want a personal connection with the people that they see in the ring, and I think that there's no better place to get that than independent wrestling.
1: Right. Yeah, you know, you hit that on the head. It's the the connection that you guys are able to get with the fans. The fans feel like they're part of the show, so that helps a lot.
2: Yeah, th- yeah, it's, I mean, like, interview over. See you later. Thanks. That was a great I mean, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> Talk a little bit. Uh, I mean, you, you're obviously um, a very intelligent young man, um, well-spoken. Um, you take your craft very oh, serious. How uh How difficult, I mean, the training and to where you've gotten now to be able to turn the TV on and and show people, man, this this is what I'm doing, this is who I am, and, and this is a shot at me through Dojo Pro. You know, I got a shot at a Ring of Honor television title. How, from from your beginning of training, um, even with Drew and CZW and Chikara uh, with Quack and all that, I mean, do those guys still reach out to you and talk to you a little bit more, or are you more looking at mentors to where um, you're at and what you're doing
0: well I definitely still keep in contact with my trainers uh, Drew especially I, I talk to I bother him every day um, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely it's been a journey um, I kind of knew when I started wrestling and training that I wanted to go out and find as many trainers and as many inspirations as I could I can pull from and that's kind of part of for me the hyperpunk mentality of you have eventually when all of these resources are kind of scarce you want to be able to have as many things and pull from as many things as you can Uh, you want to be able to think on your feet you want to be resourceful when it's just you and that's really what I've been trying to do I've been trying to pull from everywhere I can and that's why I went training with Drew, that's why I went training with Mike at Jakarta. that's why I sort of reached out and now I'm certainly a long ways from being what I consider uh, a fully finished product, a complete wrestler but I think that I'm well on my way and by taking all these things and kind of allowing Dojo Pro to be a checkpoint I think was, was very nice. I got to have lots of interviews in the sit down style which honestly I haven't done too many of And then I was also able to have three very distinctly different matches. So I think that that's a good... It was a really good presentation of this is my body of work right now. This is where I am. This is where I'm at. And the fact that it was for a a shot at the Ring of Honor TV title, which you know I've been watching Ring of Honor for years. That was one of the the companies... Once I found the internet, that was one where I did a deep dive into the Ring of Honor catalog. So to be able to kind of work towards that goal it was it was really rewarding to to film all that and to have those matches and see maybe i'm not as far off as i thought i'd be at, at 21 years old
2: yeah if you do, if you went down that rabbit hole of ring of honor you saw some great matches in the nineties. So sure. oh yeah
0: so many yeah those early 2000s oof.
1: now you came up in the philly area right
0: I actually, it's not very well known, I did start in South Carolina for a couple of years. Um, that's actually where my my family lives right now, and then for about two years I lived there, um, I was doing mostly just local shows for a company called C4W, uh, that's no longer in business, but... Uh, when I turned eighteen, that's when things really picked up, and it's, I, I moved to Philly, and then I met Drew, and really started honing my craft at that point. So I would say that Philadelphia was the the turning point for sure.
2: What do you? So, I'm, I just I have to get your opinion on this because this when I've I've never personally met Drew, but when I talk to him on a regular basis, I mean this is when um, you know I say this all the time. He was hanging out with DJ and Maven, and, and and he was just a, a skinny kid at Drexel University. Um, hmm how uh i mean it's a decade later he's doing doing great things i mean he won the the four way last night to get a chance at the cruiserweight title i mean that's that's a yeah, he did. good that's a that's a dang good mentor to have and to be able to bounce things off of on a daily basis right
0: oh absolutely i think that i really lucked out uh when I think when, when I found Drew, um, I'm not sure if he saw something in me, but it was certainly similar where he, he was a skinny kid from Drexel and I was a skinny kid that went to Villanova and we're, I think, very similar kinds of people. But, yeah, being able to have a mentor who's really, like, he's, he's at the peak of his game. He's at, he's in his prime. He's wrestling on WWE television coming up on a Cruiserweight Championship match, he's an incredible mentor to have. And I think that it goes just beyond uh, some of the in-ring stuff. Because obviously, he's incredible in all these different styles. He's a fierce submission grappler. He knows he knows his way with striking. He knows his way with Lucha Libre. Um, and those were some of the things that I focused on, I think, when we were training together in the ring. But now, he really... Kind of drills into me different things, like just promos, um, how to conduct myself as a human being, how to conduct myself in business as a pro wrestler. Um, and I think that it's been really, it's been really eye-opening to kind of have these discussions, and it's helped me so much. Um, I, I think I told this, I think I told him this before, but I don't know if I would still be wrestling or what level I'd be at if it wasn't for him.
2: Well, and that's the thing that I, I think that's the biggest thing in JP. I think you can kind of weigh on this too. Is if if you don't have somebody that that you can bounce an idea off of and and be mature enough for them to say that will never work, and put it away, and don't ever talk about it again. Is that something that you've got to be able to do? Um, training in as a pro wrestler uh, with somebody that's a mentor like that. If if you think something's really cool, and they're like that will that absolutely never work. Have you ever been? Is that something you guys think about?
0: That's definitely something that, that some people will do, and it's kind of, I think, a style of training. Um, but Drew is more of the, I don't know, try it out. And then we had... CCW uh, still has the Dojo Wars program, which every Wednesday is a, is a student show. Yeah. Um, and that's mostly where he would be like, I don't know, try it out. And then uh, we, would, we would go from there. So it's always trial and error. But he would certainly guide me in the way of... Uh, directions that he thought were better, um, ideas that he thought were better, but he would never fully shut down an idea, although there are certainly times where that that needs to happen. Um, <laughs> Drew was usually one to kind of let it go and then help you learn from your mistakes once you made them but he, he knew that sometimes you you just have to make a mistake and I think that that's that's a really valuable lesson in wrestling and in life that sometimes things are just going to go wrong and you got to pick up the pieces from there and move on
1: now are you still based out of Philly now since you moved up there for training
0: yes I am I uh after after i moved up here for training i settled down full-time in in philadelphia so that's still the home base
1: you know i'm from boston and boston's a hotbed uh massachusetts a hotbed for pro wrestling but if there's any place in the world that's harder than boston for indie wrestling it's philadelphia by far i mean the, the promotions that are out there um what was it like when you moved up from South Carolina to Philadelphia, um, what was the was it a different, completely different atmosphere, or was it similar?
0: At first, I would say it was it was definitely kind of a culture shock. Um, Philadelphia is so so blessed to have a lot of great wrestling, but there's also a bit of an oversaturation there's a for as many great shows as there are in Philadelphia there's also less than great shows and there's there's just a lot of wrestlers and it's really great that there's all these people out there trying to do it and trying to move up and the ones who work hard and the ones who stay at it will eventually move up but to me it, it was definitely, it's definitely a dim- different atmosphere just that I didn't know everyone the way that I did in South Carolina I would go to these small shows uh, in the South, mostly in front of children, do my match, uh, get called brother a lot. Um, and it was a great time. i I love wrestling in the South, and I can't wait to go back. But wrestling in the north was very different. It, there were so many there's so many people, it's a different style. It was really something to get adjusted to at first. but uh, once I got adjusted, everything was everything was good from there.
1: Now I guess sort of a shoot question about Philadelphia. Pat's okay. Go for it Pat's Gino's Or Jim's
0: Jim's No doubt
1: Not yes. even a question Yes Not Thank even a question you. Thank you <laughs> Jim's is the oh, best cheesesteak in Philadelphia
0: it's, Oh it's so good <laughs> Speaking of that um, Have you been I'm sure you went to the Jim's On South Street right Yeah. That's the one you were at Yep Yeah So there's also There's also one In like the northeast So the last time Drew was in Philadelphia was actually pretty recently. Um, And I was like, hey, do you wanna go to, we we were gonna go train, and I was like, do you wanna go to for cheese steaks after? And he goes, yeah, of course. Um, So then we go, he starts driving, and I didn't recognize where he was, because I didn't know that there was this uh, cheese steaks in Northeast Philadelphia. And we get to a diner, and he just starts screaming and cursing, and I have no idea why. And apparently that used to be the gym steaks, and that uh, <laughs> and it's no longer a gym steak, it's just a diner somewhere. And he was furious. <laughs> he was like, I've been gone for six months.
2: Six months and I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: so he might have put it on him move and might have put it out of business. I think okay,
2: exactly.
0: so. He was like he looked at me and he was like, You know the scene from Back to the Future where Marty think he's fixed everything and then he comes back and then he ruined everything he's like maybe that's what just happened yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what he thought but yeah
1: me and a few <laughs> of my buddies from here used to drive up for uh one of the chikara shows we used to drive up for one of the nights um, king of trios every year and um oh, okay it was yeah. the same routine every year and it was strip club in the afternoon gyms before the show <laughs> the show and then drive home <laughs> and that wasn't a female oh, strip club That wasn't a female strip club No, it was a female strip club But it was a female strip club <laughs> in two, two in the afternoon We weren't seeing top Notch Town Yeah, you got the B game going on oh, I didn't know they were open at two o'clock <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, we found one And we went I forget <laughs> the cheerleaders <laughs> or something like that I forget the name okay. of it But we went three or four years in a row Right. <laughs> the it most, it the, more more the morality on this show is questionable at the at, at the most. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's was, certainly a different certainly a different King of Trios tradition than
1: most so, of like, yeah, the guitar yeah. it, <laughs> it was cool because the people I was driving up with were it was a couple of them motors up here, so they could call Quack and be like, "Hey, if I'm coming, what's the best night to come?" So we got to see like Johnny right. State. Um, uh, oh man it was Johnny Saint and a couple other guys versus Fist. Um, that was, that was like, incredible to see. Um,
0: was that Saint, um, who, who would have been on that team?
1: For Fist? Oh, with Saint? Um, well, not for
0: Fist. It was Saint, yeah. Because Fist would have been Chuck Taylor, Icarus, and yeah. was it Gargano at the time?
1: It might have been.
0: Was it Gargano or Akuma? It would have been one or the other.
1: I get, it's so cool how much Chikara oh. comes up on our show. It's
2: just in people we talk about this and the people that listen to our show right. go who's the colony and why are you guys talking about this? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the colony
1: is awesome.
0: Oh, they're awesome. Have you seen uh, the new Green Ant and Keith Ant
1: in, uh, in Chikara now? Yes. I just saw some promo with them, yeah. The,
2: the Green Ant was on um, one of our fellow podcasters, I think it was Spark to Death, and um, okay one of the hosts was not ready or familiar with the colony or the green mm-hmm. ant and he stayed totally in character for almost the entire interview and the kid couldn't hold it together. <laughs>
0: green ant is
2: awesome <laughs> <laughs> I mean he knows he probably knows the entire history of the entire colony including the queen. Does that right? I think he does he-
0: oh he absolutely loves Chikara. So to see him kind of take on the mantle and be chosen to take on that mantle is it, it's really rewarding for me. Um, although it, sh- it should be more rewarding for him. I don't know why I take pride in it, but I'm very <laughs> I'm very happy to see it and very happy for his success. Let me ask uh, they you recently this... announced that they
2: Sorry, go ahead, man. I interrupted you.
0: <laughs> no, no worries. I was just going to say that they are uh, they recently announced that they're all in King of Trios, and I know that was a long-time
2: call of it. So. Well, let me ask you this, because this is something that happens all the time. When, when, and when you talk about going um, into the into the subculture of professional wrestling, and Chikara really is part of that subculture. In, like, every time it, you can hear in people's voice, like, every time Chikara comes up, the, the, the pace of their voice, there's a smile that comes on. Why do you think that is?
0: It's tough to say. I think that Chikara is just really something special in that it doesn't present pro wrestling in the same way that that it's traditionally presented. If you think of how how most most companies kind of operate, it's how do we get how do we get people in the door, and that's rightfully so. It's a business. You need you want people to keep coming to your shows. But I think that Chikara's main priority has always been. Um, how do you get people to have the most fun? And that's why there's all these wacky characters. That's why there's these um, incredibly uh, complex storylines and all this way that it's presented. That's why um, Vlad Radinoff when he was the ring announcer, would shoot off a confetti cannon. Gavin Loudspeaker used to play guitar. It was just something that was different, uh, something to make sure that everyone had fun. And I know that Chikara is much more focused on Having fun than it is following some traditional rules of pro wrestling. And I think that's awesome. I think that that's why everyone really loves and gravitates towards Chikara. And anyone who's seen it, I think it has a special place in their heart.
2: I totally 100% agree. And when you talk about going up, I went down the CZW rat right a hole like you went down the ROH one. Um, because when mm-hmm. I was. The, the only way you could watch. Combat Zone Wrestling up here in Montana, or any wrestling for that fact, is to, one, learn specifically how to obtain wrestling, possibly before it even comes out on DVD, watching it illegally, and then still purchasing that DVD to help support it because you feel guilty but that's really the only way that i could do it is
0: i appreciate that second step i
2: would say <laughs> most
0: people i don't think most people would take that i think most people would be like well i found it
2: <laughs> no because it's it's important in in jp and i used to talk to, to this at length that when we did this it was internet radio we didn't the podcasting didn't exist and we were just doing this way ahead of our time now that we're able to 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 get out there and get into social media and say JP, holy shit, have you seen this kid? you got to watch this. I want to try and get this kid on the show. Maybe he'll come on. It didn't used to be this way where that... You guys didn't come on podcasts. You guys didn't come on shows. You guys didn't give us the opportunity to get to know who you were, connect with you, and understand that character on the television. Now, it's not necessarily breaking down the fourth wall, I don't think, but it's still... You're giving us access to Wheeler Yuta. Um, you're allowing us to hear your story um, when we watch you on television, we have that connection. And our goal is to, when somebody sees that, they go back and they want to f- dig deeper down that rabbit hole, we give them something that they can listen to to connect with you when they're on TV. And that's something, when when they're bringing this stuff in, and, and I'm serious when I say, man, I, I have this huge DVD collection, but it's so nice to know that right now wrestling is, I mean... For nine ninety nine, dollars I can get the E. I can also get New Japan Pro Wrestling. I can go get Defy On Demand, Chikara. I mean, it's all there. There's a huge rabbit hole. And I think not only that, but it's making your generation that much more better because it's so much more accessible.
0: Yeah, the accessibility of wrestling has really been awesome. And we appreciate guys like you giving us this platform where we can kind of talk and share our stories. Because I think for so long um, – it was close. Like obviously, wrestling has always kind of been a closed business, and then it's sort of opened up. But now it's it's wide open, and I think that that can only help the wrestlers um, and the fans, of course. Like you want to have this connection, and it helps us as wrestlers to be able to kind of see the impact that we have on people. It's nice to get a tweet that's a positive review of a match that you had, or it's nice to have a discussion with a fan at a show. And for us to be able to have that kind of on this electronic form as well is really great. And I think that it's awesome that we're able to share that we're, we're people too. We're, we're professional wrestlers. We do something special. We do something extraordinary. But at the end of the day, we're, we're also people just like, just like any fan. So it's really, really fun to be able to connect with fans like that. And I think that it certainly has helped this wrestling boom. It's sort of a, a new kind of star power where instead of being larger than life, it's it's my friend who can also do something extraordinary, and I, I really enjoy that. We gravitate towards it.
2: I think that's the part that I, and JP, you can disagree or agree with me, but I think you know when I was talking about being a kid and younger, it's when you finally find that one friend or those two or four or whatever that actually enjoy that human connection when you're watching something that you already know is predetermined but you can appreciate the athleticism and the psychology and storytelling that you're wanting – Once you find somebody like that, it it is a human connection, and I think that's what's so cool about specifically your generation is you're willing to make that connection. You're willing to take the time um, to make that connection with fans, uh, uh, social media. I mean, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, JP, but this is specifically in the last two years, it's the accessibility to these professional athletes, um, especially in, in the independent scene is
1: like you've never had before yeah oh no it's by far and like you you know you talk about the friend thing i watched your four-way uh for czw because i'm friends with anthony green and i wanted to watch anthony had asked if i'd watch the match that was a great match um thank you in four ways usually to me aren't i get distracted really easy so when there's too many when there's too many people out there wrestling, I get distracted, and you guys manage to keep that pretty clean and easy to focus and watch what you were supposed to be watching.
0: Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, cause yeah. I think that what does get lost in four ways is that kind of. It is that personal connection. The like characters don't really come through, and I think that in that one especially, especially Anthony, he's he's uh, awesome. He's <laughs> he's off the wall, but uh, with him especially, I think that that does come through. <laughs> so I, I think that helps a lot. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but it was it was a fun one to watch, and I, I appreciated that. I became a fan of you because of that, and then it just moved on. It goes from there, you know. So. i'm I'm just the
2: opposite of jp is like i i'm i i already know usually how a four-way is going to go where you're going to have two guys out two guys in those guys out these guys in but um i i can follow that really well and how many times have you worked with anthony or, or anybody else in there in there is this your first time with anthony or anybody else in there
0: um, I'd never worked. I'd known Anthony for a while. i never we'd never worked together. Um, then in that match was Alex Reynolds, who we worked together once. It was in a different four way for CZW. It was actually the month before um, in a four way for CZW. So we had wrestled once. And then uh, Francis Castan is the fourth guy in that equation, and he's actually a wrestler from Germany from WXW. And he's been sleeping on my futon, so we knew each other fairly well, but uh, <laughs> we we'd never wrestled before. So it was, there was a lot of pieces that we weren't quite sure how they'd fit, but it
2: was it was a good time. So that's the, the to me as a fan because J although JP hasn't been in professional wrestling, he's been around it forever. I've I'm isolated, so for me to be able, as a fan to hear that and to be able to watch that and know that you guys barely. I mean, this is probably all worked out. It is even more amazing to me as a fan that way.
0: Yeah, it was wrestling is always to me. It's the most impressive form of live theater that is humanly possible. Um, because if you imagine, imagine sitting down like an actor for a, for a Broadway play and telling them, "Okay, so you're going to drive." eight hours to this city. We're just going to give you the address. You're going to get to this building. You're going to meet these new actors. You're going to write a play, and then you're going to go perform it in front of uh, a a bunch of people that are expecting it to be good and will probably yell at you if it's not. That's that's basically what we do as wrestlers. (laughs) We drive to a town. We meet strangers that we've never met before. We plan something. We write a play and then we go carry it out in the middle of the ring. So that I think is whenever I have to explain, uh, my job to someone who does some sort of other form of entertainment, usually I can explain it that way and it kind of clicks. But yeah, I think that, I think that that match especially was, was one where we had people from, new england i'm from philadelphia someone from new york and then someone from germany all coming together and trying to see what we can create together and i think that we we did something special
1: now how often do you get out of the tri-state area because you do a lot of traveling don't you
0: yeah i wind up out of the tri-state area quite a lot um I, it depends on where I'm going, but I always wind up uh, in Florida once a month for for Major League Wrestling. We do our TV tapings for, for Fusion, which airs on VN Sports Friday at 8 o'clock. Most people have that channel and don't know they have it. Um, but there's... Yeah, I'll wind up in Ohio this weekend for, for AIW. I wind up all over the place. It's really... If you have a ring and... Uh, you'd like to have me that I'm willing to come and wrestle for you.
1: That is the attitude because that's you don't get seen staying in the no matter where you are Philadelphia, Boston, California, Texas you don't get seen sitting in one spot you get seen when you pop up on shows all over the place. That's the best way to get exposure, to get people talking about you. So it's, a lot of people don't get that. You're not doing it for the $20, the dog, whatever. You, uh, you know, it's a hot dog and handshake joke, you, but you're not you doing can, it that. You're can, doing it the exposure you get on that level. You can tell
2: he's in Philly, man. You can hear the people whistling at the chicks, the dogs, the pit bulls barking. <laughs> he's in Philly.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I walked past some construction. I, didn't, I planned to be inside the whole time, but I got no, kicked I just, out. I was just hoping you didn't
2: get mugged, and I didn't wait for the phone to go thud.
0: Oh, no, don't worry. Don't. Yeah,
2: I, uh... Goddamn Eagles. Those hey, Eagles fans yeah. are horrible.
0: Right? Uh, I no agree that. I love, I love them.
2: Oh, Jesus.
0: But in, ter- in terms of the... uh Moving around and getting out of your comfort zone. I think that that was something that that Drew really imparted in me. I had, I think I had a misconception when I left the South that I thought I needed to be in the Northeast because that's where everything was happening. But really, it it certainly made things easier and made the drives shorter, but I just needed to get out. I I find myself driving back home to wrestle more often than I thought. it's just, you got to be everywhere. You have to be willing to put the miles on your car and be willing to put the time in traveling. So
1: have I you done that, overseas?
0: Yes, I have. i was lucky enough to, uh, I guess Canada doesn't count as overseas, but that's international. Uh, but also, I did get to wrestle in Japan for a month last year. Which was...
1: I read that online I just wasn't you know everything you see online isn't true um what people (laughs) believe but um what was it like wrestling in Japan?
0: wrestling in Japan was awesome I was lucky enough that uh Michinoku Pro allowed me to come over and stay in their dojo for a month they actually offered for myself to stay longer but I didn't have the room in my schedule to do so but it was really incredible um Michinoku has a lot of great talent that knows not only the American, or they know not only the Japanese style, they also know the Lucha Libre style. So to be able to sort of blend those things, but also get the culture of a a country where I am, I'm still a Japanese citizen um, despite living in America my whole life. Uh, My mother's Japanese. So to be able to kind of, Yeah. So I was able to reimmerse myself in that culture. And then also the wrestling itself was just out of this world. I, I got to share a ring with the great Sasuke, which was something I'll never forget. Uh, he, gave, he gave me a pile driver on the floor. I still don't know why. Uh, but it was one of my fondest memories. I was able to wrestle in front of my family in Japan. And that was incredible. So it was, it was really just a wonderful time.
2: That, that culture over there, um, I spent six months in the Marine Corps over there, and I can tell you specifically, and that's why I was giving you a hard time about mom and dad, is that uh, we are the only, we, we, in America, when you turn 18, we kick you out of the house. In um, Japanese culture, they want to um, hold you, protect you, you're in my nest and tell you uh, your education is done, you've eaten your dinner, you have a job, and then maybe I'll let you move out. Right. (laughs) So that's, I mean, that's really, when you talk about mom hates it, but when you're over there in that culture, they are the kindest, most gentle, um, just respectful, um, I think, people that I've ever had the opportunity to meet. So it's cool that you're a dual citizen, man. I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it was... It was absolutely incredible just to be to be able to do that and to spend all that time in Japan. And the same way that with with Japanese families, it's sort of they very much want to protect you and they want to keep you and they want to make sure that you're okay. It, was, it it felt like I was part of the family when I was over for Michinoku. Uh, just to be able to spend the time in the dojo and have. Guys, guys would just make sure that I had something to eat, make sure that my clothes were make sure that I knew how to like wash my clothes and stuff. Cause I couldn't read the, the washing machine, uh, <laughs> made sure that they would take me to the store. Like I had, I had to fend for myself. Like I had no idea how to get there and they would stand next to me when I was checking out, uh, answer all the questions that the clerk had and they would help me find things and they would tell me what things were. Um, oh. I remember one, one time, um, I was actually at a convenience store and I was trying to order something, and I couldn't understand what the clerk was saying. And all of a sudden, the Great Sasuke in his mask cuts the line to come up in front of me and help me out. And it was <laughs> it was very very eye opening and interesting, but
2: I I felt very much cared for and. Uh, <laughs> It was just a wonderful experience. Rex did the same thing. Um, from from Rex Andrew did the same thing. But the, he said they had something at the Wrestle One Dojo called Chanko that they fed him on a daily basis. Do you know what that is? Yes. Um, so Chanko uh, or Chanko Nabe, it's um,
0: it's a soup that you pour over rice, and it was made originally by sumo wrestlers to put on size, and then professional wrestlers sort of took the uh, took up the mantle and also make it as well Um, in a lot of dojos it's traditional that there's chanko every day um Luckily, the Michinoku Pro Dojo was not like that because <laughs> said, I don't think I could handle it. <laughs> luckily, it was not like that because I don't think I could handle it. Uh, but on my last week, just to kind of give me a taste in Japan, they did they did make some shanko, and I had it every day in my last week, and it was it wasn't bad. I just don't think I could have ate it for uh, for two whole months stuff, or one whole month, I guess I was there. But, yeah.
2: Hey, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break here. Uh, promote some other. Podcasts that we think are really cool because we don't have the time to watch the the big wrestling we just listen to their podcasts and introduce you guys to cool people like wheeler beauty here so we're going to take a quick break um, promote some of those podcasts come back Um, we've got them for almost 15 more minutes ask a few more questions some of you guys questions and we'll be right back hey smarks your boys jbom and desmino here to tell you that if you're enjoying
0: this awesome podcast then you'll love ours over at Talkmania.
2: Weekly episodic podtastic adventures, as well as additional content such as our 10-count episodes, prediction shows, contests, and more. What is Talkmania exactly? Well, just a couple dudes from Canada who grew up on pro wrestling through the 80s, 90s, the Attitude Era, WCW, to the now, man... We live tweet, we periscope, we drink beer. We're Canadian, eh? You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast kicks from. And give us a listen and a subscription. You can
0: also find us on Twitter, at underscore Talkamania. Be part of the Talkamania family.
2: Be a Talkamaniac, brother. Greetings, wrestling fans. This is Dave Dynasty, host of the Dave Dynasty Show, the podcast that every week brings you nearly two hours of pro wrestling goodness from the Midwest. We feature interviews with the legends of the past, stars of today, and the prospects of tomorrow. We have segments that feature classic wrestling audio, whole episodes devoted to the history of Midwest pro wrestling, and much, much more. Do not miss an episode of the Dave Dynasty Show. We are available on all podcast platforms or you can access past episodes and all of our social media links by visiting daydynasty.com. Be good, be safe, and keep on growing. And then we cut the questions and then we come back. It's that easy, man. Perfect. Is there anything else that, yeah, I mean, we've been going for about 45 minutes. Is there some stuff um, besides what we've talked about? I told you we'd go for a while, man. We get you guys talking and we can't, We don't stop.
0: Right. <laughs> Um, I did just start a a donation campaign for a charity called uh, Hope for the Day. It's a suicide prevention charity. So if, we
2: could, Perfect. if I could just plug that a little
0: bit, that'd be great.
2: Yes. I'll, uh, JP, you want to bring us back in and, and kind of go into that stuff? Yep.
1: Cool. All right, guys. Listen to all those podcasts. They're all awesome. Uh, we don't promote crap. We promote stuff that's... That we like, so um, we got Wheeler for a I few mean, you more. You have minutes. me on, but uh. <laughs> we got Willa for a few more minutes, and he is awesome. Too. You guys need to check your stuff out. He's on Twitter, he's on all the all the social media, but he's also got something else important. It's kind of why he came on today. Uh, Willa, you got a charity that you just started up. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I just started a uh, donation campaign with uh, Hope for the Day, which is a charity that works for uh, proactive suicide prevention. And their main goal is to sort of remove the stigma around talking about depression, mental health, and suicide. Um, if you go to my Twitter, you'll be able to find it there. But the link to donate is myhftdorg slash wheeler, Utah. Um, I've actually been really lucky, uh, the goal the goal that they kind of default suggest that you go for is $121 um, and that's because on average in the United States um, there's 121 completed suicides every day which is really a shocking number to, to think about. Um, I was lucky enough that I already surpassed it. Um, My goal is to reach $121 by American Rana. I launched it on Monday and currently we're at $491. So thank you to everyone who's already donated. Um, If you have a chance to check out the charity, um, you can go to their website, you can read up more on it. You can read my own personal story with uh, mental health and suicide if you'd like. But it's, it's something that I really believe in and I think that... If we just talked about these things more, um, we would all be a lot better off. So, again, that's org slash Wheeler Yuta. And if you can't donate, if you could maybe send a retweet, anything, uh, I'd, I'd really appreciate it. But just make sure you guys remember, it's it's okay to not be okay. That's that's their
1: uh, slogan, and it's, it's something that I believe in wholeheartedly. It's, it's actually normal not to be okay. You're not the only yeah. one. Everybody, you know, I don't, I don't want to say everybody suffers from depression, but I'm willing to bet everyone in the world knows somebody that suffers from depression. Yeah, um, depression
0: and mental health, it, it touches everyone. It's, everyone in some way, shape, or form has some experience
1: with it. Absolutely. Um, that's a great cause, man, and thank you for doing that.
2: I just want to tell you uh, a personal uh, Wheeler will we'll, off air I'll tell you an amazing story We'll have a uh, we'll have a link f- um, For all that information up on our website We'll keep that leak up there permanently um, For as long as uh, Wheeler oh, would like us to keep that up there um, We will have him Hopefully um, one of these days um, Just cut a quick Promo for about 30 seconds to promote that So we can put that on the podcast and keep that A, a rotating thing because he is 100% correct in the fact that this is something that needs to be talked about on a regular basis, and as you guys have said, I can almost guarantee you 100% me on a shadow of a doubt that one person in one way, shape, or form in another in this entire world has been affected by suicide, and the thing is is that it doesn't just affect um, that one person, it affects the entire community, so anything we can do to help with your cause, man, we're going to do it.
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you for uh, giving us the, the platform to talk about it and being very supportive of it. It's it's Like I said, it's a very important cause to me, but the, uh, the outpouring from the community and the outpouring from you
2: guys has uh, really meant a lot to me, so thank you so much for that. We'll keep that up. Um, I've got one specific fan question. Um, I was going to do two or three here, but I've just got one specifically that's probably the best question that's probably going to be asked tonight because we ask horrible questions um, you, go for it <laughs> um, you, you, you're, uh, you're I guess your professional wrestling wish list for the next three years Are you, have you got somebody that you would like to um, in the next three years as far as a goal be able to be in a match with them or a wish list that you'd like to be able to at least compete with or, or as you say paint that picture in the ring for us Oh man, that is that is tough. Um, one,
0: I'd say one mentor that I have that is not really uh, talked about or is not really known in terms of he's not associated with me because he's doing his own big stuff uh, in Japan uh, would be Zack Sabre Jr. He, he's really kind of taken me under his wing and helped me a lot. Um, he, when he was living in the United States, he doesn't drive, so I wound up kind of chauffeuring him around for a while um, to different different events. And just the... His outlook on wrestling and life um, was something that really shaped me and was really valuable. I love the way he wrestles. If you have a chance to watch uh, his G1 match with Sonata from last week, it's absolutely incredible. I loved it so much. Um, but... Yeah, so he would definitely be at the top of the wish list. But if I were to throw another one in there, um, there have been recent talks about his retirement. But I would love to wrestle Alex Shelley. Um, He, I don't think, gets anywhere near enough credit for all of the influences that he had um, in the tag team division as part of Motor City Machine Guns or in singles competition. Pretty much everything that's done on the Indies now that is cool, "Quote unquote," he did in some way, shape, or form. Um, at least in terms of the stuff that I like and I think is cool. Um, but yeah, so I would. Those two are definitely at the top of the list. So it's probably I guess worth my it. wish. Wish list is pretty short.
2: <laughs> no, that's that's killer, man. And, and the fact that you bring up Alex Shelley, I mean, that's old impact. That is X Division Gold right there. Oh, absolutely. There, everything he did was so so tight so
0: snappy i guess is the way that i think of it in my mind like it was very everything just seemed like it was done purposely and it wasn't anything that you would see on the rest of the card it was always something different he was the first guy to really kind of take this blend of styles. he was almost like the first indie hybrid of what we think of now and i think he was he's was the best at it i don't know if anyone's done it like the way he has
1: Probably not. I mean, they were great. They were fun because it was fun to watch TNA back then, and they were a big part Absolutely. of what. It
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, not only to go through his TNA stuff, but to go down and look at like the time that he spent in Zero One in Japan, the time that he spent yeah. just on the on the Indies. Um, I. Bryce Redsberg is one of my good friends, so anytime I watch an old Alex Shelley match, most of the time Bryce is refing it for some reason, so I'll send him a picture of himself from, from 15 years ago, and he'll get mad at me, but uh, <laughs> those kinds of things, just to think of him being on the cutting edge of that, and I really don't think he gets the credit he deserves, and he should, but uh, yeah, he's, he's absolutely on the top of the list.
2: Oh, Wheeler, really? we've we've taken up about an hour of your day, man. I want to tell you, just from the bottom of my wrestling soul, um, I've gotten my thirst quenched today from your brother. I appreciate it. I had to throw brother in there from the whole Philadelphia, South Carolina thing. Do it,
0: do it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I call everyone brother and Bubba. Those are my two. Those are my two go-tos, Shout out to Ethan, Kate
2: Yeah, you know mine's he great. Yeah. Mine's just a uh, what up, dude.
0: Right, <laughs> that's fair. That's what I. That's what I call normal people, not weirdos <laughs> <reps>
1: like me. <laughs> Willa, uh, thank you. For up here in the north, brother is a thing. Still, it's it's kind of it, almost to the point where it's a joke at this point. So it is funny. Oh, definitely. A brother. So, so is it? A, is it? T, is it? A is it? Tha or
2: is it? Ther. T-H-A Oh, it depends It it depends on
0: who you're talking to I think it's usually T-H-A But Oh, it depends It's tough That's when you gotta feel out You gotta know your audience Usually I shake the hand And I say I say hey And then wait for them To call me something And then I'll respond
2: But brother (laughs) You never know You never know That's the sales technique Right there Hey And then whatever they call you, you You mimic You mirror, right?
0: Oh, of course
1: The psychology always going on (laughs) with this kid (laughs) Even on the handshake (laughs) Will, I thank you so much Uh, It's been awesome Um,
0: Thank you guys for having me, I appreciate it